This is Africa as we know it, episode 11. I am Gerald and I'm glad to be here with you once again to recap fascinating stories that made the headlines on the African continent. So this week I'm going to talk about stories from Angola and I'm going to give you an update on Kenya's presidential election and also I will talk about an interesting diplomatic situation that's taking place in Southern Africa between Zimbabwe and South Africa. So as I said before, I'll get started on a fascinating transition that's taking place in Angola. So just a quick background on Angola before I get into the main discussion. It is located in Southern Africa, right above Namibia and it also borders Zambia to the east. So Angola was formerly a Portuguese colony which is rare in Africa as most of the countries were colonized um, by the British and French. So Angola gained independence from Portugal in 1975 and the current president Eduardo dos Santos has been leading the country since 1979. So in March 2016, President Dos Santos announced that he would step down from office in 2018. And of course, when he made this announcement, his political opponents were suspicious and did not fully believe that he would actually follow through with his announcement and um, give up power. Well, in February of this year, Dos Santos confirmed that he would not run in this year's presidential election. And the election went ahead took place on 23rd August which was about about three days ago and true to his word Dos Santos was not on the on the ballot so the current defense minister Jao Lorenzo he ran in Dos Santos's place and all the polls indicate that he's going to be elected the next president so on the surface this looks like a great story you have an African president who has been in power since 1979 voluntarily given up power embracing democratic principles and to an extent it is a good story but in politics there's always something deeper going on so the question we need to concern ourselves with on this episode is whether dos santos is actually given up power so to tackle this question i've divided the issue into two parts first we will take a look at the powerful Dos Santos family and its activities in Angola. And then secondly, we will delve into the political situation in the country and determine if Dos Santos has created any loopholes that enable him to maintain some sort of control in Angola, even after he's gone. So let's get started with the Dos Santos family. So as you can expect, the family is extremely wealthy. The president's daughter, Isabel dos Santos, is Africa's richest woman, reportedly worth, are you ready for this? Reportedly worth $3.5 billion. So last year, her father appointed her as the head of Angola's state oil company, which is known as Sonangol. 
And this is a key position in a country whose wealth is heavily dependent on its oil revenues. I think second to Nigeria, they are the one of the largest um, oil producers in um, in Africa. So to be in charge of the the oil company, the state oil company um, in Angola, that's a that's a big deal. That's a very very important position. So the president's son, Jose Filomino, he runs the country's sovereign wealth fund, which is reportedly worth about $5 billion. And not to mention the president's other kids. And mind you, he has nine of them. And most of them have important jobs in different sectors of the country's economy. So now with the family members controlling key institutions in the country, their influence and their dad's influence will definitely be felt for years to come. So one can argue that by placing his kids in key positions, Dos Santos was looking past the presidency and creating an environment where his family will still maintain clout in the country after he's left the, the presidency, after he's gone. I mean, with his daughter in charge of the state oil company, I mean, there's nothing else to say. That's evidence right there. But at the same time, some may also argue that there's going to be a new president and he could reverse Dos Santos's appointments and appoint his own people. But guess what, though? Dos Santos thought about that scenario. And this brings me to my second point, which is more political in nature. So first of all, the power of the incoming president, Jao Lorenzo, have already been weakened even, even before he, uh, he takes office. So a month ago, Angola's parliament passed a law that prohibits the new president from firing the heads of the army, police, and intelligence services for eight years. Eight years! So for eight years, the new president cannot make any changes to the heads of those key critical national security positions. And additionally, Dos Santos has been given a seat on a legislative body known as the Council of the Republic, which gives him immunity from prosecution. And while Dos Santos is stepping down as president, he will continue to be the leader of his MPLA political party a role that should be taken over by the new president. So in effect, Dos Santos will still have significant power over the incoming president. So it is unclear at the moment if the new president has authority to appoint new heads of the state oil company and the country's sovereign wealth fund. Positions currently held by Dos Santos's kids. But with Dos Santos still leading the MPLA political party, it would be very difficult for the incoming president to make any changes targeting Dos Santos family members and not pay some kind of political price for it. He may not want to make enemies with such a powerful family. So in all likelihood, the family will continue to thrive unchallenged. So 
back to my original question on whether Dos Santos is actually given a power. And my response is that he's just taking a back seat. He's making a good PR move. He's going to get the praise of the international community. And he will be described as an African leader who gave up power. He might even win the $5 million Mo Ibrahim Prize for African leadership. But in all honesty, who really needs who really needs the presidency when your family dynasty is embedded in every aspect of the country's fabric? So we're going to be watching the new president closely to see how he navigates through this tricky maze and the political traps that have been set for him. His hands are essentially tied for the next few years. So let's see how effective a leader he is with the shadow of Dos Santos and his family behind him every step of the way. So, like I said, it's a very fascinating situation going on um, in Angola and we will definitely be watching. But let me move on to uh, Eastern Africa and give an update on Kenya. So two weeks ago, I reported on the Kenya presidential elections, which was won by uh, the incumbent, Yuhuru Kenyatta. So the opposition did not accept the results and they filed a petition you know, at the country's uh, Supreme Court, which I'm glad they did because this significantly reduces like the risk of uh of violence in the country you know and like i mentioned in the previous podcast we don't want to return to the type of violence we saw after the 2007 2008 election cycle when a lot of people lost their lives so i'm really really glad that the opposition party decided to you know do things the right way you know take your grievance to the court and let the court um, be the final decider you know, on the on the situation. So, all the reports indicate that the court will probably make its decision in early September. So, when that decision does come out, I'll provide um, another update and let you um, all know how how the the elections turned out. But once again, um, I give credits to the opposition party because they could have taken um, this in. In, in another direction and they could have uh, made things very difficult you know for the country um, so you know I'm, it's, it's good to see um, a situation in which violence was not used you know to to express and you know express their grievances you know I mean some people still died um, when the results came out you know but thankfully it wasn't on the levels that we've seen previously. So, like I said, when the when the court grants its decision, I'll provide an update and let you all know how it turned out. So, last but not the least, let's move to uh, quickly turn to Southern Africa to discuss a diplomatic situation. You know that's been brewing for the past couple of weeks and I'm referring to an incident that occurred in South Africa involving 
Zimbabwe's first lady, Grace Mugabe, her two sons who live in South Africa, and a South African beauty model. So a quick background I'm on the situation. On 13th August of this year, Mugabe's sons, who are known for their lavish, lavish lifestyle in South Africa, were in a hotel room in South Africa with some woman, women, including a young South African model. Her name is Gabriella Engels. So the reports indicate that at some point, Grace Mugabe, the first lady, she stormed into the hotel room and began to physically attack the young woman. Gabriella Engels, the model, was reportedly hit in the head with some extension cords, which caused some serious cuts and bruises all over her body. Um, and I saw some pictures, you know, of her injuries, and they were pretty gruesome. You know, she had a big gash on her um, on her head, and um, it, it looked it looked pretty bad. So, as you can imagine, this quickly became an international incident, and it made the headlines. So you have a Zimbabwean citizen who also happens to be the country's first lady attack a South African citizen on South African soil. So in order not to disturb relationships with Zimbabwe, Grace Mugabe was granted diplomatic immunity on 19th August and she was allowed to leave the country. Nonetheless, the Engels family intends to pursue charges against the first lady so my thoughts on this this is just another example of people in leadership behaving poorly for a first lady or anyone for that matter to act this way is embarrassing but mind you though this is not the first time Mugabe has acted in this manner in 2009 she reportedly punched a British journalist in Hong Kong. And in that situation, the Chinese government gave her immunity after the incident. So I'm seeing a trend here. I'm seeing a trend. This is just a, um, a, a pattern of bad behavior. And knowing that you get away with stuff because you are the first lady of a country and you just act with impunity and thinking that there are really no consequences for your actions you know you act this way in hong kong you've acted this way now just recently in south africa you know it says a lot about the type of person you are but then there are also rumors that the first lady hopes to succeed robert mugabe as president and frankly, I hope these are just rumors and they stay as rumors because as it stands, in my mind, Grace Mugabe does not have the right temperament and humility to be a fair and just leader that Zimbabweans deserve. You know, like I understand, you know, like parents, they always have, they're always going to have issues with their kids and the things that their kids do you know and 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 all of that stuff like that's understandable i get that 
I get that. And plus, you know, like with all the reports that I've been reading, you know, her her sons they are not easy, you know, kids to deal with. You know, they've reportedly been in scuffles already in South Africa. They used to stay in a uh, a luxury apartment um, building um, in Santon. Um, that's an exclusive neighborhood in uh, I believe it's in in Johannesburg. You know, and um, they actually got kicked out of that 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 um, complex because you know of their behavior getting into fights and causing a lot of trouble i understand i understand your parent your, your your kids are gonna do things they're gonna act out they're gonna hang out with women they're gonna have fun and all of that stuff but you do not target the the people or the women that they are hanging out with you need to sit down and talk to your kids and that is that that that, that is the mistake you know she made you have this young girl now who had a career as a model and now you know her, her her future career and job may be in jeopardy because now she has all these injuries you know to her face just because the first lady could not control herself so like i said another case of 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 uh, leaders behaving badly and um I, I really hope that the Engels family are able to get somewhere with um, their court case and hopefully, you know, at least, if anything, um, the, the, the first lady of Zimbabwe has to, has to pay some sort of financial, you know, cost or something. She needs to put some, so something has to be done, you know, to, um, you know, to take care of the injuries that this young, young uh, woman woman suffered so um so zimbabwe once again you know your first lady has embarrassed you and uh you know hopefully hopefully this is the last time but if she does run for president or if she does succeed robert mugabe you know it, it, i just feel that we're going to be seeing situations like this happen time and time again so this is it for today next week i'll provide an update on some ongoing demonstrations that are taking place in togo you hardly hear about um protests and demonstrations in togo for the past week i've been i've been reading reports you know on on on, on such protests against the current president i believe the people are calling for term limits and they want to move in a more democratic um direction so I'll take a look at the situation in Togo and uh, provide, you know, provide um, a report on what's taking place there. And also, just uh, on, a, on a side note, the global TED Talks begin in Arusha, Tanzania this weekend. It's going to be an amazing gathering of African thinkers. So I really wish all the participants the best. Hopefully the video comes out soon so we all get a chance um, to experience the event. So thanks for listening. Stay tuned for future episodes. This has been Africa as we know it, episode 11. I'm Gerald. Enjoy your week and see you soon.